is on his way in. Strope is on his way out. Pointing towards the heavens, we can only ask or wonder that he is asking some departed relative for forgiveness for this atrocious episode. Remember that guy, the show where we mine our memories for nuggets of nostalgia about peripheral players past and present. I'm one of your hosts, James, and I'm making the call to the bullpen for a fresh arm. Fresh arm coming in. Let's get Aaron Nola back out on the hill. Nah, just kidding. It's Diaz with you once again, but we do have the deceased relative that Pedro Strop was actually praying to. I don't know how we did it. We are crossing the ether, but please introduce yourself. Yeah, you know, back from the dead, I'm the very special guest, Xavier Strop. Someone that watched a whole lot of Orioles legend Pedro Strope. It is Pedro Strope, which I know because my dad, and I'm going to clarify before I say this, my dad, a stroke victim, because Pedro Strope was a bit of a tightrope pitcher is a nice way to put it. Uh, my dad called him Pedro Stroke for several years because he swore <laughs> he was going to give him another one. It's the type of uh, self-deprecation I expect from a Fulweiler. Absolutely. You know what the issue is? So us mainland relatives, we've anglicized it to Strop. You know, in the DR, it is Stroke, but here we're Strop. You remember that fucking piece of shit Atlanta baseball team player who called his last name Diaz because it was like, oh, well, when my dad's bosses first hired him, they were racist and they didn't know how to pronounce it. And rather than correcting them, we just accepted the anglicization. Remember fucking Matt Diaz? <laughs> I don't, but I hate him now. Banned from the hall. And immediately. I fully support it. But... Xavier Strop, you are not banned. Uh, we are happy to have you. And I would love, Xavier Strop, if you could just tell me, uh, who's memories for you right now? I have a lot to say because there's a lot. We are in the perfect period where everything is going on. All sports, everywhere. Like, I saw the Red Bulls got eliminated from the playoffs. That sucks. But Arsenal is great. So I, get, I still get to watch soccer. The Knicks start tonight opening night against the Grizzlies. The Jets are 4-2. and two. The Jets win four games in a year, most years. They have four, and it's the middle of October, and we should probably beat one-legged Russell Wilson next week. If we're 5-2, and two, I'm going to be insufferable. But, you know, we'll see what happens there. Xavier, the Jets have suffered so much that you deserve to be insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like... You, you get this one. I Honestly, I become more and more surprised every day that the Ravens managed to beat the Jets. Zach Wilson is 3-0, so we'll just say that it was, it was Flacco. Asian Flacco wanted to make sure that you were doing it, but the Jets' defense is the thing that's been fantastic. Their two cornerbacks, DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner, have been absolutely amazing. And Quinton Williams, just named AFC Defensive Player of the Week, two sacks, two TFLs, Six pressures and a blocked field goal in one game. And because PFF is weird, they originally gave him a 60 grade. And people were like, what the hell game were you watching? And then they changed it. Like after public outcry, they changed the grade, which has made me not really care about PFF grades anymore. If enough people would say, did you actually watch the game? And then they go back and change the grade. Not feel as confident in what they're actually doing there. Because everything is, else is going on, we also have Yankees came back and made Josh Naylor their bitch to beat the Cleveland Guardians, who should still be the Spiders because it's a better name. 
And now we get to play the Astros, who have kicked our ass for years, which I'm not excited about, but I would like it if we win. I don't expect much, but I would like it. Let me offer a point of clarification, Xavier. You did not make him your bitch. You made him your baby. Fair. Your son. Yeah, you know what? If if you're going to hit a home run and then round the bases, violently rocking a baby to the point where you would have killed that baby if there was actually a baby in your arms, you don't want to go 0 for 6 after that and also lose both that game at home and then game 5 to get eliminated. That is writing a check that your bat cannot cash. So Josh Naylor was a good sport about it. He said he, he really loved, you know, that the fans were giving, giving him shit and that it made it really fun. And that's the kind of thing that you like to enjoy. So I will give him credit for that. But if you're going to pimp it, you better win. <laughs> this is why, like, I, I really wanted you to appreciate it when it was happening, because who was counting the Yankees out at that point other than Yankees fans? Like, they were still the Yankees. They were still going to do it. And this guy was having his moment, and you were going to get to throw it back in his face in, like, two more games. He was also the last out of He was game not five. the last out. He, um, I, I believe he was one of the outs in the ninth. Miles Straw was the last out. In my head, Cannon, I, I really don't care. He was the last out. Sorry. That's right. Yankees <laughs> fans hate Miles Straw, too. So it, they were very happy that Miles Straw was the last out. But, again, with everything happening, the last thing I want to talk about I just watched the Arsenal women playing the UEFA Women's Champions League. They were playing against Olympic Lyonnais. And Arsenal are a very good women's team. But Lyon are the greatest in the world. And when I say the greatest in the world, I mean they've won 15 of the last 16 French League championships and six of the last seven Champions Leagues. And they are the defending champions in both of those. There was one year in 2020-2021 where they finished second in everything. But other than that, they've won everything since they've come into existence. They have most of the best players in the world, including two of the best Americans in Katarina Macario and Lindsey Horan. They've never given up more than three goals in a game in their entire existence, which is almost 20 years, which is insane. Never more than three? They've given up three. They've given up three. Three is the max that they've ever given up in a game. But for, for some context, the French League is 22 games. Last year, they won 21 and drew one. They scored 79 goals in those 22 games. They gave up eight. Eight goals in 22 games. Fuck. And then in the Champions League, which again, they won, they scored 45 goals and conceded 11 in 13 games against the best teams in the world. Like, how did, how did other leagues mess up so badly that this super team was allowed to be created? The thing about Olympic Lyon is that, so America has had great soccer leagues, even though they've had to go through multiple iterations. And then most leagues in Europe didn't really take it seriously for a while, except for Germany and France. Like England is now coming in and same with Spain. But France had kind of the head start uh, of, you know, really investing in women's soccer. England, it was actually illegal for like 50 years for women to play soccer. It was like really weird. They like they banned women from playing soccer like professionally. Such a stupid island. It's such an absolutely idiotic island. Yeah, so the last time Lyon had lost by more than one goal in the Champions League was 2009. And they're in it every single year. So that's over the course of 100 plus games. The last time they lost by more than one goal. Arsenal beat them 5 to 1 in Lyon today. 
What a setup, Xavier. <laughs> it is the biggest shock win in modern women's club soccer history. People were freaking out on Twitter because Leon beats everyone else 5-1 to one or 5 nothing. They had never given up four goals in a game. And they give up five at their, home. Their fans literally don't know how to process this. They don't. Like, Arsenal reporters didn't know how to process this. Tim Stillman is a uh, reporter that I, I follow who does stuff for um, the Ars blog, which is a Patreon support and also one of the best Arsenal like fan media source out there. He tweeted, this is an actual headline I'm writing. What the fuck? And it was a, pi- a picture of his computer with headline, Jonas Eideval reacts to 5-1 victory over Lyon. This was an insane win that no one has really been able to process this at the, at, like so far because Lyon don't lose and they don't lose like that. And they gave up eight goals total in their league last year. They gave up five in one game at home. So I always want to give it... Yeah, oh, my goodness. You know, I always love to shout out women's sports, and this was a massive game, so wanted wanted to give it its due. But I've been rambling too much. Diaz, what's been making memories for you? Well, first off, we, we would be remiss. It was acknowledged on the Twitter account, but uh, what's making memories for me was the beautiful matrimony of one James Fulweiler, formerly Fulweiler of this podcast, now James <laughs> Lentzweiler. After the holy matrimony with Jesse, it was a beautiful scene to be a part of. And, uh, you know, James, very sincerely, thank you for allowing Xavier and I to be a part of your special day. I'm just so glad that the Phillies cooperated and didn't score any runs until the ceremony was over. And that is the lead in. (laughs) (laughs) What an incredible day it was. So to, to, to recap for everybody, last Friday... Philly's first pitch for game three was, I believe, about 445. Uh, So I was able to watch the first inning or so. And then, you know, once the people start coming out and they start walking down the aisle, it's probably time to put the phone away. So we focused on the ceremony. It was a beautiful ceremony, some beautiful words. I love the Pokemon overtures of the whole thing. And no sooner do the newly wedded couple go to the back then I pull out my phone and I see Reese Hoskins hit a fucking moonshot and <laughs> spike his bat. It was not a bat flip. It was a bat spike. I've never seen it before. Robert Gronkowski, eat your heart out. Jose Bautista, eat your heart out. Jose Bautista, eat your heart out. Anybody who has ever tried to celebrate or pimp any home run in the history of the sport, eat your goddamn heart out because Reese Hoskins just had the greatest one of all time. Bill's take care of business that night. I am in the building for a potential closeout in game four. I've been to a lot of big sporting events in Philadelphia. Strike three, Aaron Nola, and the fourth inning. Let's fucking go. The game's happening right now, game two, for the people listening. I'm in the building. I've been to a lot of big games in Philadelphia sports history. I went to game three of the Toronto series when Embiid hit the windmill. I went to Brian Dawkins' return game when he came back to play the Eagles. I went to the Flyers-Bruins game four when they had that huge 4-0 comeback. I've never been in an atmosphere as electric as that game four was. And JT Real Muto hitting the inside the park home run. Brandon Marsh with the big three-run shot to get us started. And now as we record, 
Phillies not only won game one of the NLCS yesterday, they're currently up 4-2 through four innings in game two of the NLCS. Talking about the fightings here. The fightings. Said, said. Um, also throw out a bone to Newcastle. Uh, 1-0 win over Everton today. Jordan Pickford, you're shite. Uh, Sunderland, Mackham scum. And uh, the lads got a win. But the main course, the main attraction, Philadelphia Phillies. And amazingly, they just didn't start the Sixers season last night. Did you guys realize that? They, they just didn't play. <laughs> um, so I'll have comment on the Sixers at some point. But for now, focused on the Phillies. Here's what I'll say to you for the Sixers. Think of how hyped Knicks fans were after a win over the Celtics opening night and see how things diverge for those two teams. I'm saying you and Celtics perhaps destined for parallel paths to that from last year. Maybe, yeah, maybe the secret to being successful is to lose to the Celtics on opening night. So we'll we'll see how uh, that season ends up panning out. But for now, as, as we record, seven wins to a parade. Let's make it happen. Things are going well for you guys. It sucks to see the Yankees in the ALCS a little bit just because Houston may be Houston, but they're still the Yankees. Uh, there is no good outcome there except for Xavier being happy. And I just have to... <laughs> you know, maybe look away from baseball. So let's look at some other sports. Maybe maybe football is going well for me right now. Do you guys know that the Ravens are the 40th team in NFL history to hold a double-digit lead in each of their six games? Did you know that of those 40, they're the first ever to not have a winning record? Of the 360 minutes of football that the Ravens have played up to this point, would you like to guess how many minutes they have trailed for? 10. Let's, uh, let's go with the... Uh... 13. Two. <laughs> that sucks. That sucks so bad. So that's bad. the three and three Ravens. Okay, that's fine. I'm going to go check out hockey. We decided during a little trip after our wedding, while we were in D.C. and the Canucks happened to be playing the Capitals, we were pretty tuckered out. So we decided not go. I figured I'd just watch it on the screen at the, uh, the hotel. The Canucks made history that evening by becoming the first ever team to hold a multi-goal lead in their first three games of the season and lose all three games. And then last night, they became the first team to hold a multi-game lead in their first four games of the season and lose all four games. All right, well, hockey's not going to do it. Let's uh, go. Let's, let's see how Spurs are doing. Oh, Spurs are about to tank this season. Yeah, I got, I got nothing. But Wins. you got married, so you got Wins. this. I got married. That was pretty dope. I got a ring, and it is the only ring I think I'm going to see for quite some time. Winless for Wembenyama. I'm on record. I am absolutely certain that the greatest coach of all time can make the best tank job of all time. And then you get to, to watch some envelopes get opened up and determine your happiness for potentially the next two decades. It's an amazing experience. I'm glad you got to see myself participate in that, uh, at that fateful Buffalo Wild Wings in Northeast Philly. And I'm Dump just to it. Like I, I think I might have made it to, this, to a second one. I definitely did not go to any more than two. You, you got to see the pins and needles. Uh, yeah, because you were there for the random Vladi Divac cheer that just we all yeah. spontaneously decided we loved Vladi Divac. Because he's an idiot, I guess. Because th it's fun to mock the Sacramento Kings. The, the crazy thing is, like, the, the trade where they gave us Stauskas and the pick swaps for free, basically, hadn't even happened yet. It was like we had a collective moment of foresight somehow. It's something it was it was tapping into the same oracular power that sports books had when they put the push on Justin Herbert to not throw 
a touchdown in that game against Denver. That was the books always. They know something, man. It's like when people gave Bran the second best odds or something to sit on the Iron Throne going into the last season of Game of Thrones. Like, all right, who who the fuck knows something? Like, someone got a script. They leaked it. That was that was the most pass attempts by a quarterback in NFL history to not have one be a touchdown. Fifty-seven. But yeah, hey, you know what? Sometimes things are bad. I thought maybe after going through the the five years of the Orioles playing at a fifty-eight win pace every season, that was as bad as things were going to get for a while, and the Orioles got a little bit better and everything else responded. So gonna be a long winter but you know what it's time to warm the halls with some fresh bodies because we're gonna invite in a whole lot more. well we'll talk about inviting in a whole lot more guys i shouldn't get too ahead of myself folks it is time for relitigation once again relitigation episode four a new hope here it comes diaz i believe we're gonna begin with you i mean i as always we will go through and take turns picking Guys that were nominated that we still think are worthy, but did not get through in their episodes. And we'll each pick someone from the other, each of the other individuals' rosters. You all know how this goes by now. Anything else anyone wants to say before Diaz, you lead us off? I think we're, uh, we're ready to rock and roll here. So I will start first from, from the James category. And again, we're, the basement door has been unlocked. They, these, these guys do have some moments of respite now as they wait to see if the name will be called. And uh, the first guy that I'd like to call up for Relitigation, and I'm truly deciding this in the moment because I'm between two of yours, James. I'm going to go with Gory. I'm going to go Gory. John Gory Gorman. I thought you were going to go with someone whose name sounded very similar to John Gory Gorman, but please do go on. No, and that that was, uh, you're on the right path with where my loyalties were split because, I mean, if there's two things that I, as a Latino Philadelphian love. First of all, I love other Latinos. So we were very close to picking Scott Gomez. But the other thing that Philadelphia loves is we love the backup. We love the the underdog. We love the guy that isn't necessarily good enough to get to the top. Kyle Schwarber is in at safely at second base. Let's go. Um, (laughs) We love the underdog. We love the guy that isn't recognized. We love the guy that knows his place honestly and and relishes in it and to me that was what spoke to me with the gory story that was really bad that was a bad rhyme um he only gave you gory details with his autobiography we we don't have to mess with perfection the gory details but yeah i just i love the idea first tries his hand in his in his native land and eventually realizes it's not good enough he decides to make that trip across the pond. But then even when he makes the trip across the pond, he's not quite ready for the top flight, but he just thrives kind of under the radar there with that second level. I just really appreciated that about Gory and the leaning in with, with the Gory details, as you mentioned, I'm just, I'm a big fan. Um, so I think that, you know, this is a guy that knows his place. And personally, I say his place is in the hall of guy. Well, John Gory Gorman, this, I, I, again, was definitely thinking you were going Gomez, but I love John Gory Gorman. I think my favorite thing is still that he, it's interesting that you say who knows his place because he does spend this like odyssey just going from stop to stop and I'm drawn in by his, his travels, his travails. Uh, I'm certainly happy to, to think about him again. Someone, I, Xavier, would you mind if I went next? 
Well, I'd, I'd like to respond, Diaz, to you picking someone from my roster by, by going back to yours. Someone that uh, has been on my mind, obviously, for quite some time, going all the way back to the first episode. I want to talk about Brian Bosworth. I think, I think we got to bring back the Boz. And the reason that I, I wanted to revisit Brian Bosworth is like, I knew very little about Brian Bosworth other than just kind of the name, the Boz, and that general vibe when I was growing up. I didn't explore a lot of football history. And I assumed, based on that, that Brian Bosworth had had like some incredibly long career filled with all-star appearances and, and perhaps ending in a Hall of Fame. I didn't realize he played like two seasons. until I knew that before you did your presentation, but still just when that was learned, it's, it's insane to think of a guy that even with the college career that he had, he, he existed for this tiny little bit of time and then just was so fanatical in his existence that he still left an imprint to this day. And you also like to talk about guys that fit into multiple categories of a season. And the nickname, the boss is it's so evocative. It sometimes when you make a nickname, you might worry that someone else could come, come by and take it someday. And no one else could possibly, I think, take the Boz. Also, did we ever talk about him working in a GM plant? Because when I went back to look up at him today, I, I found a little story about him working in a GM plant that, that stood out to me. Please elaborate, because I, I don't think I picked this one up. He worked in a GM plant for like a summer, and he was taught by the guys to put loose nuts in every once in a while because it makes a rattling noise. Yes. And so people will take their cars more often into the mechanic. What he also learned to do from these guys was uh, tape notes around these nuts as like a little in-joke to mechanics. Of course, a mechanic, if he finds this, the mechanic's still getting paid. Not really that much of a problem for him. Uh, so it's okay to kind of admit what you were up to to them. And so there's probably some mechanics out there that have little notes signed by the boss. Uh, just like, yeah, we fucked with this person. Enjoy your $500 to not have to do anything else to their car. I do remember seeing that story. I don't know if I spoke about it when when I did my presentation on him, but yeah, just a fantastic tomfoolery. And I think it, it, it speaks to the theme of the Boz, which is he knows how to manipulate situations in his favor. You know, he's, he, we're talking about a guy that got popped for steroid uses and then called the NCAA a bunch of communists and got people back on his side. And people forget that it was because of the steroids. So he's, he's a great schemer and uh, a great guy in my book. Well, Xavier, I saw your face of frustration. I do apologize for snatching the boss out from underneath you. It's all right. It's all right. But no. is, uh, is there anyone else you'd like for us to kind of take some time to talk about now? Yeah, you know, there there is one, I can't say person, so I'll stick with guy that I want to talk about. And it is Stormcat, the horse that fucks. I, I was going to go Give there. Give it up on the subtitle. I was going to go there, but I, I couldn't possibly steal Stormcat from you. I, you know what, I appreciate that. And it's just, I told the audience I was going to do this eight weeks ago, nine weeks ago, so I, I had to live up to it. He's a horse that all he did was just have kids, and they were all so good. He had a short-lived racing career that was just enough to convince a couple people <clears throat> to let him hit it. I was trying to find out how many 
of his children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren have Wikipedia pages that you could find. The total number I got to was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So 45 of his children slash grandchildren slash great-grandchildren were good enough horses to get their own Wikipedia page. The horse is the greatest procreator of all time that needs to be valued in the Hall of God. I think instead of saying people are hung like a horse, we should say people are hung like Stormcat. I don't think it should be an abstract horse anymore. I it think we, it, the time has come where the horse has been identified that you are hung like, and it is Stormcat. It's, it's just incredible that it, you telling us about Stormcat made me so happy. It has continued to make me so happy for literal months. Stormcat needs to be in here because he's the horse that fucks, and it makes me very happy every time I even just hear the name Stormcat. I'm so glad I could get you thinking about horses breeding for months, Savior. <laughs> it's all I've ever wanted. Well, with that round complete, Diaz, from Xavier's Russ, it, it looks like it's going to be the two of us now trying to divvy him up. Who you got for us? So, from Xavier's roster, I think I need to go. I already I, just, I spoke briefly about my love of the backup quarterback, so I need to double down now. And I need to go to Sage Rosenfels. First of all, elite name. Sage Rosenfels sounds like he should have been a fucking 10-time Pro Bowler, you know, who just, like, diced up, like, the, the AFC South, I'll say. He seems like an AFC South quarterback that should have just diced it up for, for years and years and years. Not the case, obviously. Ends up having a solid career, popping around, being the backup. But I love that when he did get his chance in those preseasons, he absolutely lit it up. Just the name speaks to me. The the backup quarterback narrative speaks to me. The the what if, you know, the romantic in me always is going to go to what if Sage Rosenfels I got a chance to come in. Could he have been a Nick Foles? Could he have been a Case Keenum even? You know, Case Keenum was a backup quarterback who went to the NFC Championship in that same run for the Eagles. So Sage spoke to me and... uh I'm going to give some sage advice and say that he should be in the hall. <laughs> I, I love it. I think Sage Rosenfels has a very Shakespearean name, and I think that appropriately marks the kind of Shakespearean tragedy of him to, to have these preseasons, to have these glimmers, and for it to never pan out. It is it, it, tragic to, to be left on that. Although maybe it's a Shakespearean comedy because he does still get paid, and his fortunes do end up better in the end. I also like that he's... I mean, there's not a lot of Jewish football players out there. Although, you want to know one player that is listed as being... Yeah, no, here... You want to know a very prominent Jewish player that won a Super Bowl with the Ravens? Uh, any, any guesses as to a prominent Jewish football player that won a Super Bowl with the Ravens? Uh, Weddle? Not Weddle. Weddle didn't win a Super Bowl with us. He won a Super Bowl with the Rams. Ah, uh, that's right. Is Justin Tucker secretly Jewish? No, Tucker's quite Christian. <laughs> he is quite Christian. He's, he seems fine, but he is quite Christian. I I'll give you one other hint. They also won a Super Bowl with the Chiefs. T-Sizzle, Terrell Suggs, is Jewish through his paternal grandfather. He has a Jewish star tattooed on his right arm since 2009 and wears a Star of David necklace. 
least he wears it for an actual reason and not like Jerry Judy. Yeah. No, it's like no further comments about this. I'm not trying to make any conclusion whatsoever. Just never would have guessed. <laughs> well, we've got, in that case, Sage Rosenfels. I had, I, I struggled really to pick from you, Xavier. Beyond just like the people you already got inducted and Sage Rosenfels, I honestly still considered a little bit almost every one of the others, uh, except for Vanderlei Silva, a good guy, but didn't quite compare with the other four to me. But I thought about having a sweep the first episode of the season with Bernard Tapie. I also particularly love that Bernard Tapie came back even later in the season with Greg <laughs> LeMond. Mary Decker, almost in an Olympics in 1972 and then almost makes 1996. Like, the, the as Diaz put, Diaz is now trying to coin the term Teresian. And if we didn't have Mary Decker, we wouldn't have that term. So I'm thrilled for having heard about Mary Decker. Kent Colby was tough for me to not go with. Had another nickname, as we said, changed the position. I would say that Kent Colby's nine consecutive days pitching is less unbreakable than Cal Ripken's streak. But I'd say harder to break than Joe DiMaggio's hitting streak. I, I think it would be easier to hit in 56 consecutive games than in this day and age of pitcher to pitch on nine consecutive days. All of them, very tempting. I'm going to go with Holly McPeak, though. I You introducing Holly McPeak was done so well. You're like, who would you think of for the first two people of American Beach Volleyball? And anyone who knows anything American Beach Volleyball knows exactly two names. And presenting the very next person that you should know to just absolute crickets was <laughs> it, it's so well constructed. Uh, if anything, I just want to reward you just for how well that was done. But then just the idea of this person who in this sport where you are supposed to be so tuned in is not only breaking the mold by being like five foot seven and just incredibly short for volleyball, but is playing with, I, I tried to count and I couldn't get an exact because some of the years it just lists multiple partners, like 30 pro partners over her full career. Just nuts. It's, it's like, how can you be at the top of this sport that requires such synchronization? And to me, that just speaks to how good Holly McPeak is at making other people look good. How good Holly McPeak is at elevating other people as a setter. Diaz, you're saying people who know their place. Who knows their place better than a setter in volleyball? You don't get the flashy spike. You're never going to get like those, those cool kills. You are just setting up your partner every single time to execute. And it, it, you know, it's, it's the punter holding the ball for the kicker. It's the long snapper. It is the less glorious thing of already these things that require pinpoint precision. You have to have that. You don't even get the glory. Uh, I, what more can I say? Clearly, I love Holly McPeak, who also apparently has a twin brother. We didn't talk about her twin brother, Xavier. No, it wasn't beach volleyball related. And there was, I had a lot to say about Holly McPeak. <laughs> well, I'm glad you said all that about Holly McPeak. I'm sorry that I said that I spent so much time talking about Holly McPeak there. Xavier, we've got one more person to think about. Who is it? Only you know the answer. So, you know, Diaz always likes to say that the essence of guy is that you can bring them up at a bar and someone will say, oh yeah, I remember, I remember them. Then you could have a conversation. So why would you not go with the guy who would possibly be the best fit in a bar itself? I have two words for you. The power. I've got the power. I've got I the power. I want to bring back 
Phil, I want to bring back Phil Taylor. And, you know, there's a lot about Phil Taylor because of how long he was just so good. But I think the, my, the favorite thing that I saw is that he has listed rivalries with six different people on here. <laughs> and when you think about a rivalry, it's like, oh, yeah, they, they, there's probably a lot of back and forth. Dennis Priestley. Taylor wins 37. Priestley wins 6. John Part. Taylor wins 31. Part wins 6. Raymond Von Barneveld. Taylor wins 61. Von Barneveld wins 18. James Wade. Taylor wins 51. Wade wins 14. Adrian Lewis. Taylor wins 55. Lewis wins 17. The only person who played him close, Michael Van Gerwen. He still beat more often than not, despite being 30 years older than him. Like, no one was even close to this guy for 20 years at the most bar sport of bar sports. Plus, he was part of the world dart split, which I just love the idea that, like in volleyball, where there were so many splits in organizations, there is a acrimonious split in darts where the top players broke away to make their own... It's literally the, I'm going to make my own dart league with blackjack and hookers. You know what? Forget the blackjack. It, I, he's the most guy that you would talk about or hang out with at a bar guy that I could think of. And I just feel like it fits so well with what Diaz, you know, has brought up about what he expects a guy should be when you want to talk about them. Can't argue with the logic. It's impeccable. <laughs> well, that, that gives us a half dozen. And we got to take a little bit of time to mull these six over. Are there any, do we have any concerns as we look at the names? Brian Bosworth, Sage Rosenfeld, Stormcat, John Gory Gorman, Phil Taylor, and Holly McPeak? Oz gave us Thad Castle, so you definitely have to, you know, second the Boz on that one. Yeah, no concerns from my perspective. My only concern is that the Padres have runners on the corners, and there's only one out. <laughs> a one run game. That's that's my only concern. <clears throat> we record right now. It'll be okay, Diaz. It'll be okay. You've already stolen one in in, in San Diego. If you win this one, it's a sweep. But if not, you're still in great shape. Listen, Soto's coming up right now. That's just, I'm I'm terrified. Well, you know, we'll we'll have to even over my dislike of Tottenham, I'll have to just say you know, Gory uh, is okay here to you know let you not stress about that while you're stressing about the Phillies. I, I appreciate your leniency towards the Spurs. <laughs> no. I, we all got a poll for the Phillies because I, I hope you guys – have you heard that Philadelphia has not had a homicide in four days now at the time of recording this? Wait, seriously? Yeah. It's, it's been four days since, uh, yeah, with, the, with this, the Eagles win and now the Phillies keeping it going. There's not been a homicide in four days. Everyone's too happy to kill each other. That's great. I love it. So if, if Juan Soto cares about, you know, not killing people. <laughs> it's a real moral <laughs> conundrum for the Padres. But yeah, I think I think we got a call of acclamation six for six. I see no dissent, and with that, I I to give it to you, D 
Diaz to do the honors? Of course, it is our privilege, but also our honor to release from the dwells of the RTG headquarters basement and to welcome into the hall John Gory Gorman, Brian Bosworth, Sage Rosenfels, Holly McPeak, Phil the Power Taylor, and most importantly of all, the horse that fucks, Stormcat. Welcome into the Hall of Guy. <laughs> That's two animals now that I've gotten in here. <laughs> you know what? It, 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 it's fantastic. You're the only person who would bring animals, and it's great. Is, I, I, I don't know what animal could be next, so I do feel like I've kind of shot those two bullets. I don't know. I, I'll have to look into it. You know, dog sledding's out there. But, or you could just pick a dog that wouldn't like... Westminster Dog Show or something like that. Nah, I think we gotta go to the Great Yukon for the Iditarod. You wanna do a category that's just animals? We could do that. Nah, I was gonna just, like, jokingly do Balto for a moment, but he's not enough of an athlete. Balto also didn't do the whole run himself. Balto did, like, the end. Here we go, cancel culture. Balto did the end and got credit for everything, and a different dog did, like, 90% of the work. Are you saying that Balto didn't have dog in him, Savior? I'm saying Balto is like that that uh a guy who sh- who's in your group for a group project in school who misses the first three days and then shows up like right at the end and adds a couple like flourishes to the PowerPoint and just gets his name on there. Well, if you've stuck through this Balto rant, we appreciate you for sticking through another season of this phenomenal show that we put together here. We've got those six new guys in. The hall continues to grow, and it will continue to grow. After we do a little bit more alternative programming, I think we got at least one four-year consideration coming up soon. As for what else we have, who knows? Stay tuned. We'll be here back next week. Do watch the World Series, which will probably be coming up shortly after this episode when the Phillies sweep. They got you. Anything else you guys think people should watch coming up? I just, you know, can't wait for the NBA season to start once the Phillies are done. You know, I'm I'm real excited to see how the Sixers do this year. And, you know, it's it's unfortunate that they just aren't playing games until the Phillies are done. But uh, excited to see how they look. It's it's cool that they're opening a little bit after everybody else. So that, like, there's not all that pressure against a rival or anything. It would be, yeah, it's, it's just nice to ease into the schedule. Now, anyway. enjoy, enjoy this perfect time of year where you get MLB. NFL, NBA, NHL, MLS, all European soccer, women's soccer. Like there's there is so much to enjoy. We are overloaded with sports. Oh, college football too. How could I forget that? You know, Tennessee beating Alabama was great. Like there is so much for us to consume and talk about. It is the perfect sporting season. It is. It's impossible not to enjoy sports right now, unless you're me and I've been James. I've been the very special guest, Xavier. And Manny Machado just struck out. I'm Diaz. Let's go, (laughs) (laughs) Phil.